Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Oh, I know, Gavin. It is the most disgusting thing I could think of. And you're staying here on New Year's Eve and drinking it with me. Ass. The following podcast contains... Only I didn't say fudge. And for gosh sake, watch your language. Watch your profanity. Right, I'm sorry. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you made that resolution that 2020 was going to be a year you would never forget, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 294, I'm Drinking 2020 Goodbye edition of the show, where we talk about everything I swill to make it through this god-awful year. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Facts Abby's Quick Facts when you don't want to wait your turn. Are you ready to get back to living a normal life? Don't want to wait until the government gets around to you? Do you have a shit ton of money? Then you want Fast Eddie's Quick Facts. Pfizer, Moderna, we got those, but wait, there's more. We got the good shit from all over the world. Coronavac out of China, Sputnik 6 out of Russia, BBPIP Core V out of Bahrain, even Epivac Corona from Russia. We've even got vaccines not approved anywhere. Why should you wait to be safe? You're rich. Call Fast Daily's Quick Facts and immunize yourself and your family today. Fast Daily's Quick Facts make no guarantee of efficacy or authenticity of vaccines. We're not liable for false or misleading claims by the manufacturers. Contents of the vials may not be what is listed on the label. Call your technician if you're allergic to any vaccines or eggs, nuts, shellfish, or small furry animals. Ask your black market doctors. Fast Daily's Quick Facts is right for you. Just about 48 hours from now, we'll be ringing in the new year. But for some of us, like Jim Gaffigan... 2020 has an odd ring. 2020. That can't be right. The year is going to be 2020? And everyone's like, okay, next year is 2020. That makes sense. No. It can't be 2020. What are we, the Jetsons? Okay, fine. I guess it's going to be 2020, but it's weird. It's already 2020? I'm still writing 1993 on checks. Okay, nobody writes checks anymore, but if we were, I'd be writing 1993. It's already 2020? I never felt like I partied like it's 1999. Well, not enough. So is there really a ticking Y2K time bomb? I'm still kind of relieved about that whole Y2K thing. Whatever was supposed to happen, thankfully didn't happen. To me, 9-11 just happened. I remember it like it was yesterday, because to me, It was yesterday. Besides, 2020 is not a year. It's a new show on a different network that was created to compete with 60 Minutes. By the way, don't forget to watch 60 Minutes tonight. 2020 is not a year. 2020 means you have perfect vision, which does not describe the current planet or this country. If anything, we see less clearly than we used to. Fake news, polarization, we only see our point of view. I've got a solution. Let's call it 22-0. You like it, right? All right, it's not that great. Fine! It's going to be 2020. Happy New Year. A few years ago, I went to visit a friend of mine in Chicago. 
I'd been through Chicago, but never to Chicago. And I was looking forward to getting there and seeing all the things the Windy City has to offer. She just sat down at the bar. Well, what the fuck else was I gonna do? We have museums and skyscrapers in New York. I wanted to go experience Chicago like Chicagoans do. Meaning I wanted some Old Styles and Pertillo's hot dogs. And I have to say, not disappointed, fucking good hot dogs. Of course, being a visitor to the Windy City, my friend told me that I had to try the local liquor all Chicagoans swear by. Hello, America. My name is Carl Jepson IV, and I'm buzzed. But I'm also real proud of my great-grandfather's sweetest Swedish lamour. My great-grandfather's sweetest Swedish liqueur. Swedish liqueur. Swedish cuisines and spirits boast up. Tastes like an abortion clinic in Iceland. It's a product of a gypsy curse. Cut. Pod friends, I am a seasoned drinker. I have traveled the world over and drank in bars where the liquor is poured directly from the still into my glass. I've put things in my body that would kill a smarter man than me. I have imbibed things with dead poisonous animals in the bottle and literal embalming fluid in the booze. I drank with Marines who spat Lukies into a shot glass filled it with Everclear and challenged me to drink it, and I drank it. I once drank the swill from the rail in a Juarez whorehouse on a bet, and none of that prepared me for Malort. If you've never experienced Malort, allow me to try to explain it to you. It's a pale yellow liquor that smells faintly of pine and herbs, and there's nothing in that aroma that warns you of what comes when you put said liquor into your mouth. Hey, Dave, let's do it. And the first taste that hits your tongue is like you just got into a particularly disreputable gypsy cab reeking of pot smoke and old vomit and proceeded to chew on the ancient pine tree air fresheners dangling from the rearview mirror. And if you can manage to swallow the shot and not spit it across the bar, the aftertaste is what just really brings home the full experience. To best experience the aftertaste of Lord, imagine the feet of a homeless man you've seen on a subway train. Thick with the grime of living and sleeping on the streets for several weeks and not bathing. The sort of rank wet dog smell that mixed with the harsh notes of urine splashed onto those feet. And the thick yellowed toenails peeking through the holes in the socks which have never been wa- washed yet worn day in and day out for several years. Caked with the salt stains from the sweat of a summer asphalt. Soak those sock clad feet in rubbing alcohol and the strongest black licorice imaginable. Until the rubbing alcohol turns black from the dirt and the funk on the feet. Then infuse it into the detritus of a cat litter box from a hoarder's house where dozens of unneutered male cats have pissed for weeks and weeks, garnished with a sprig of mint, and you have something that tastes almost, but not exactly like Malort, because Malort tastes slightly worse. And the reason I am telling you this is this entire year of 2020 has been just like that shot of Malort, except slightly worse. You see, usually the last show of the year would be a look back at what happened over the year, but this year... Wants to hear it. And I don't want to talk about it, but you know, it's tradition. So I guess suffice to say that this year. That sucked! 300,000 Americans are dead, millions are out of work. The only bright spot is that we got rid of that massive infected gonad growth in the White House, but even that part has been a fucking farce whose only bright spot was the sheer idiocy of the fucking morons trying to keep the inflamed gonad in power. As bad as 2020 was, it did give us the Four Seasons landscaping moment. It wasn't enough, but it was something. And we did get a vaccine that gives us some small glimmer of hope this will be over soon, if not very soon. But you know, I was drunk through most of 2020, 
So I feel like I kind of missed a lot of it. And when you've been drinking as heavily and as long as I have been this past year, you're going to get bored with the usual selected beer, wine, and whiskey and start looking for new things to try out. Or rehab. Probably more like rehab. By late March, I was getting pretty far down the rabbit hole of booze and started to get experimental. And since the world was shit, what with an unchecked pandemic, stalking the land and no help or hope in sight, I decided I would start seeking out the worst fucking liquor and liquor-based drinks I could find and trying those. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel Turns out, I still felt, I still felt pain. And that is how I found myself with a bottle of Ouzo. Ouzo is a Greek liquor that was first created on the slopes of Mount Olympus for the heroes of antiquity to drink to prove that they actually were related to a god by drinking Ouzo and not vomiting immediately. If you took a bag of black licorice and shoved it up a pig's asshole and left it there for a week, then slaughtered the pig and made the licorice from the shit sausage from the pig, you'd have something that is slightly more tolerable than Ouzo. But for some reason, the Greeks still swear by it and will force it off to you given the slightest chance at weddings or watching a soccer match at a small diner in Queens. You just have to ask for a water and then some fat hairy guy named Giannis will come over try some ouzo instead three hours later you're vomiting up the soles of your shoes on the seven train headed into grand central with no idea how you got there and of course since i was socially distancing i found myself at home alone sitting on my couch watching zorba the greek and ugly crying zorba you are in paradise Yet, there is no better word for Anthony Quinn in the role he was born to play, Zorba the Greek. It was sometime after the Uzo, probably in May, when it became clear my irresponsible attitude towards filing tax returns for the past decade wasn't meant that I wasn't going to get that 1200 bucks from Uncle Sugar, and I really wanted to punish myself. After chatting with the guy at the liquor store, explaining to him that I was on a quest to drink something harsh enough, brutal enough to encapsulate the way I was feeling about the state of the world, his face lit up with something that could have been glee, or considering how late I was on paying my store tab, it could have been malice. I'm going to go with malice. He reached up on a high shelf and pulled down a dusty bottle of scotch with McDowell's number one lit written on the label. Now, I'm not a scotch drinker because scotch, it, uh... Diego said, no, 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 my friend. This is Indian scotch. And if I really wanted to experience pain, I had to try it. Hell, he even gave it to me for free because it had been sitting on a shelf for about six years. Now, when I think about scotch, I naturally think... If it's no Scottish, it's crap! High lonely moors, deep Scottish locks, scaly monsters, and gender-haired men in skirts squeezing their bags. I do not think India. Turns out there's a reason for this. India is a beautiful country filled with wonderful people and thousands of years of rich history, but the one thing India lacks is the ability to make scotch. Because whatever was in this bottle was not scotch. It was some kind of whiskey, perhaps a nice diesel bourbon or ergot-infected rye, but it wasn't scotch. I poured myself a tumbler of McDowell's number one with my special round whiskey-drinking ice balls, and that big-ass ice ball just <laughs> evaporated into a puff of mist. That never happens when I drink Johnny Walker. And I took a sip of McDowell's and immediately considered calling 911 because someone had put battery acid in the bottle. I'm used to whiskey burning, but not all the way down to my asshole in one straight shot. The blog Some Whiskey Bloke reviewed McDowell's thusly. Quote, at first, 
there were notes of lead paint and pastels, underlying hints of glue and sweet sulfur alongside boiling cabbage and copper, earthy dust, a molding fallen trees, as well as some swigger cooking onions leading into grass and hay. It wasn't a great nose, but I was willing to give the whiskey some more time, and it got a bit sweeter, with artificial sugar coming through the longer it sat in the glass. While the start of the palate is quite acetonal, the palate continues the artificial trend, but has a firm woody background that allows over to oversee these treats, caramel cubes, raspberry bonbons, lemonade jelly beans, and a distinct hit of E-150 dropped lightly over everything, unquote. And he liked the whiskey! McDowell's, or MC, as it's called on the subcontinent, is the best-selling whiskey in India, making it one of the best-selling whiskeys in the world, which tells you everything you need to know about the Indian palate for scotch. Look, I know, this is highly inappropriate. It's wrong for me to do this accent. But goddammit, I drank McDowell's, and this is how I'm going to, to read it. This is from an Indian reviewer on a website. Quote, I am fond of drinking whiskey in the parties. McDowell's is one of the worst brands of whiskey that I have ever found. Its aroma is not exciting and causes vomiting very eventually. As per my observation, in every 10 people, 6 are those who does vomiting after consuming this whiskey. It does not suit many persons and cause many health hazards due to it. Unquote. The only nice thing I could say about McDowell's was it forced me to take a couple of days to dry out after I finished that bottle, because that's how bad the hangover was. When I finally made it back to the liquor store... Diego was ready for me. He had a big mason jar of thick purple liquor his grandmother made. He told me it was made in the old-fashioned way, and that it was very special to him, so I took a slug off the jar and found that it tasted like... And off-brand cough syrup. Grapeish because it was purple, not because it tasted like grapes. And it wasn't at all horrifying until Diego told me how chicha is made the old-fashioned way. His grandmother would chew up the corn and spit it into the clay pot using the spit enzymes to start the fermentation. And it wasn't a trick to get me to pay my tab at the liquor store, though it did have that side effect. It was just something he really wanted to share with me, and all in all, the chicha wasn't horrible. Of course, by June, things were getting pretty grim after the murder of George Floyd by the cops, the subsequent protests, and after the subsequent backlash against the protests, and the subsequent tear gassing to peaceful protests, so some tangerine idiot could hold a Bible upside down outside of a church. And that sent me into a bit of a spiral. And that is how I found myself with a Polish liqueur called... Spiritus Rectifiquani. Which clocks in at a whopping 190 proof. Oh dear God in heaven! An April 2020 Wall Street Journal article said as a spiritist, quote, the powerful Polish liquor was in high demand during Polish communist era shortages and has become a big seller in liquor stores during another era, the coronavirus one. It serves two purposes, as a store of liquor in a lockdown and an ingredient for homemade hand sanitizer. In its most important form, the spiritist is 96% alcohol by volume, making it the strongest liquor available in most stores, unquote. I got myself a bottle from Diego and brought it home with a 12-ounce count of Sprite because, you know, you want a mixer. And I poured myself a little liquor and sipped carefully. Douglas Adams described his infamous pan-galactic gargle blaster as rather like being hit in the head with a lemon wrapped around a gold brick. Well, this, the spiritist, was rather like being hit in the head with a lemon wrapped around the Empire State Building. 
It didn't have a taste per se as it instantly seared every taste bud from my tongue and the only thing I could experience for several minutes was the sensation of trying to breathe while my bowels were on fire. I wept for my mother, cursed my father, and wailed at the top of my lungs. I think I just shit myself. And lying on the floor sobbing softly for the first time in months, I felt something, even if it was agonizing pain. The proper name for this kind of liquor is rectified spirit. Rectum damn near killed them. <laughs> and they are not lying. I clinically died three times finishing that bottle, and it was the only time I felt good all year. When I finally got off the floor sometime in mid-July, I knew I was going to need something special to top the kind of experience that I'd had in June, and I thought to myself, Absinthe. Because if those strange packets of seeds that were suddenly all over the country were to bloom into triffids or some other death plants, I didn't really want to be around to experience. So I went online and ordered up a bottle of Eichelberger 83-2 absinthe. I chose it because that's the absinthe Van Gogh got liquored up on and cut off his ear. But comes to find out, that shit cost nearly 50 bucks a bottle, and our new network, Seltzer Kings, would not allow us to expense it on the company credit card. Cheap bastards. <laughs> So instead, I ordered a couple of bottles of Czech Republic skunk water called Ant Absinthe St. Antonine. And I'm not a connoisseur of absinthe, so I have no real frame of reference to compare it to. But from what I can tell, it tasted very... Very green. It was, however, 140 proof, and that's what really mattered. And this has been bothering me ever since I started this little project. Why do so many bad boozes taste like fucking licorice? No one likes licorice, and for some reason, they all taste like that. Now, this particular brand of absinthe tastes like a single brick of black licorice that has slipped down the body of a morbidly obese man, found its way into his underwear, and slowly migrated into the fat folds around his taint, and spent a long, sweaty summer congealed to his skin, absorbing everything he's eaten for months, only to be dislodged when he experiences a bout of explosive diarrhea and it drops into the bowl, gets processed through the entire sewage treatment system of a small European village, pops out into the plant into a polluted river, and finds his way into the hands of a small child who puts the licorice in his mouth and immediately spits it out in disgust into his dad's cheap lager while his dad is arguing with his wife. It is accidentally swallowed by the dad and begins its journey through the sewers all over again only to wind up back in the hands of the original fat man through a series of improbable adventures and tumbles back down to his taint where it belongs wow that was vivid and specific i finished the two bottles come august as california burned i began to realize that i wasn't going to get to retire in california since by the time i finally got old enough to do so there would be nothing more than a burnt blackened cookie on the easy bake oven we will call the planet earth and i wanted something to take the edge off and so i thought i'd get creative that's when I got a, bottle, a hold of a bottle of grappa from Fast Eddie. Grappa, also called fire wine, is made from all the shit left over when they make real wine, the literal stems and seeds of wine production. Why would anyone do that? I don't know, hate, fear, loathing, desperation, just generally being Italian. Clocking in at 120 proof, grappa seemed to meet my minimal requirements of getting me through the month without feeling anything, and it did not fail. The bottle, which came from Eddie's Uncle Nunzio's Winery, which is apparently just a shit processing plant in Alabama, was deceptively sweet and clear, and when I knocked back a glass, it came right back up and punched me in the crotch. This shit was Dago moonshine. 
Sorry, but that's what Eddie called it when he gave it to me. And the motherfucker was right. It tastes like someone took a bunch of grape stem seed skins and grape stomper skivvies and fermented them in the back of a car lot in Queens for a month and then put it into a bottle and gave it to a dumbass podcast host. That is exactly what happened. Eddie and I finished three bottles and Gavin had to come get us in an Uber after Eddie totaled his caddy just off the Veranzano Bridge. In September, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and I did not take it well which is how I found myself with a bottle of Balka 176 Vodka, a Serbian concoction that comes with 13 different health warnings on the bottle, including one in Braille. This is a bottle with a message in, and the message is, beware. After obtaining this highly illegal liquor here in the States, I brought it home, mixed it up with my usual screwdriver recipes, seven parts vodka to one part orange juice, and took a healthy swallow. And I finally understood why the Balkans are the powdered keg of Europe. By the time I'd finished the first glass, I'd assassinated an Austrian duke and kicked off an entire world war, and things went downhill after the second glass, and I only stopped short of doing something horrific to my Albanian neighbor because I couldn't figure out how to work the doorknob on my front door. You did? Are you making a joke? Well, it's less a joke than more a reference to genocide, really. Anyway, the vodka tastes like, well, does vodka really taste like anything? And with the coughing and retching, I couldn't really taste much of anything at all. But it did make me forget about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg for a few days, and that's what I really wanted in the first place. Come October, I experienced a brief moment of the joy of schadenfreude, watching Super, <laughs> Super Spreader in Chief finally catch the Rona he so richly deserved. And then, only to not see him die gasping like a carp on a muddy riverbank. You can't always get what you want. So I decided I would get what I need, and that involved getting a hold of my mate, Amons, who procured me a bottle from his uncle in Kilkenny of what he promised would make me see Jesus. Is this a good or a bad thing? Eh, column A, column B. And that's how I experienced Irish moonshine for the first time, Putchin. Eamon told me he was pretty sure I wouldn't go blind from drinking it, as his uncle had recently perfected his recipe. But if it should happen, I shouldn't mention him or his uncle and tell everyone I went blind because I was, quote, playing with myself too much, unquote. What, pod friends, is potchin? Well, it is literally Irish moonshine, and since the 6th century, the Irish have been homebrewing at their own liquor pot stills all over Ireland, and it was made illegal in 1661 because... Like the fucking Brits. ...wanted to tax it. This did not stop anyone from making potchin, and it took until 1997 for potchin to become semi-legal again, and only recently have the big distillers began making it for distribution. But if you want to try a real potchin... You're going to want to go with Eamon's uncle in Kilkenny or some other reliable source. Now, I love Irish whiskey. We all know that. Old news. So I thought Potchin would just be a stronger version of Irish whiskey. It, uh, it was not. Let's listen to some real Irish talk about Potchin. Oof, oh, that would knock you out. Oh. Smells like nail burners. It's leaving a residue on the glass. It's like burning the glass. Yeah, this is the stuff uh, that make that would make you go blind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now that tastes like a leather boo. She knows she's there, doesn't she? She knows she's ah. there. <sighs> oh, oh. <sighs> That's burning. Mm. <laughs> oh, she's sour. Oh. Oh, that caught me out, and that didn't go well. Do you know what? That'll kill, that'll kill the bacteria. Punch it actually tasted like 
Well, it actually tasted like a large Irishman had come into my home, punched me in the mouth six or seven times while shouting incoherently in Gaelic, which admittedly is not actually a taste, but rather an effect. But still, that's exactly what it tasted like. I had to put my glass down gently and back up several feet after the first one, but after the third, I was composing lyric verse while plotting with my brothers to boot the filthy Brits off the green grass of ire, and by the fourth, I was sobbing and listening to maudlin Irish folk songs until I passed out. Later, Eamon told me the secret to knowing a really good potion is to shake the bottle. If you get a foamy head, it's over 100 proof, and the longer the foam lasts, the stronger it is. Eamon's uncle stuff still hasn't gone down yet, and it's December. It's no wonder the Irish word for hangover is poich. By November, I was pretty stressed. All the signs pointed to Trump losing, but honestly, who the fuck knew? So I decided to go for broke. If Biden lost, I didn't want to be able to form coherent sentences, so I headed down to Chinatown. I was in search of a bottle of genuine Baijiu from China. You poor damn fool. This sorghum-based liquor has been distilled in China for millennia, and its name literally means white looker. And a good Baijiu clocks in at around 120 proof or so, and it seemed like just the thing to watch election returns with. I came home with a bottle of Red Star, and when I took the cap off the bottle, I was immediately taken back to my years in Asia where the liquors were universally clear as paint thinner and tasted slightly worse than paint thinner. The Lost Low Wide Travel Community blog says of Baijiu and Ergotuo in general, quote, Usually made by distilling sorghum, it's not unlike vodka in looks. The similarities in there, however, its subtle sweetness gives one an initial this ain't bad feeling, which is often followed by panic and rapid search for your memory of for all available objects that might assist you from removing from your system. At 80 to 120 proof, Baijiu ranges from spicy bite to paint strippingly alcoholic. Ergoto means second distillation, literally head of the pot. Cheap and particularly popular among the blue-collar workers across northern and northeastern China, it is one of the most commonly drunk Baijus in Beijing and has a deep association with China's capital and delivers a punch to your soft parts that doesn't call you the next day, unquote. And just as the polls closed in November 3rd and the first results began to come in, I took a long pull off the bottle, which was a lot like drinking the kerosene at the bottom of my granny's hurricane lamps. And the last thing I remember was the vision of 10,000 screaming Chinese troops storming down a snowy mountainside near the Chosin Reservoir before I fell headfirst into the snow with my guts on fire from a bullet from a Zongzang rifle. When I woke up a week later, Rudy Giuliani was standing outside a landscaping company next to a dirty bookstore, and the election was effectively over because Joe Biden had won. As we reeled into December, it looked as though things were improving. Trump was being laughed out of every courtroom in the country. We had a safe and fact, fact, vaccine on the way. Rudy Giuliani was melting on television, and the country had not yet exploded into violence in the wake of the loss of their orange god. There's still time! Despite all of this, it seemed like 2020 still had one last punch to the dick for humanity as word began to spread out of the UK that a mutated form of COVID-19 was 70% more contagious than the Mark I version of the Rona. Oh, and while it isn't more deadly and the vaccines still work, it was just the cherry on top of the turd parfait that has been this fucked up year. And once I heard about this... I knew I really had to top all the others from this year. Just a vile, disgusting liquor that really captured the essence of 2020. And at first, I thought about getting a bottle of Malort. But I quickly realized things were bad, but not that bad. Then I went exotic. 
Maybe some Rocky, which is basically Uzo and Grappa mixed together. Or some Indian Finney, which is not Indian Scotch, so how bad could it be? I debated heading back to Asia for some baby mice wine, which are real dead baby mice infused in rice wine. But really, that's already been done. Excuse me. Okay. We found this mouse in a bottle of Elsinore beer that we bought at your beer store, eh? And we heard, like, when that happens that uh, you get your beer free. And then I thought, snake Jew, which is a real dead snake infused in a bottle of soju. But I did that in Korea so many times. It wasn't even new anymore. I wanted something vile, something reprehensible, something no sane person would drink ever. And that's what I remembered. Southern comfort for me. It's not that Southern Comfort is so strong, though their high-end 100 proof is pretty strong. It's just that Southern Comfort has some bad associations with me. Everyone has that one liquor they drank as a kid that they simply cannot touch as an adult, and Southern Comfort is mine. It all stems from a bad night in Fort Dix, New Jersey in 1988. Me and Cleveland and Joe are just wrecked on Southern Comfort. Sadly, no. Being not quite yet 19, I paid an older guy during the weekend liquor store run to buy me a bottle of SoCo because I thought to myself, well, I'm Southern and I want to be comfortable. And while he was gone, I hit the store for a mixer and chose for some ungodly reason a bottle of orange juice. Why would anyone do that to themselves? Hello, 18 years old. I took that pint bottle of SoCo and mixed it with OJ and proceeded to drink it. Now, straight SoCo tastes like Well, let me let the Southern Drinking Club blog sum it up. Quote, a concoction that tastes like cough syrup and honey infused with a hint of cat piss and battery acid. I haven't tried Southern Comfort since my wayward youth, and the lingering memories of the few times I sampled it will undoubtedly continue to keep me away from it. And while it never resulted in an abrupt appointment with the porcelain altar, that horrid taste is stored somewhere in the frontal lobe alongside that of spoiled milk and smell of old dog farts. In every informal poll I've conducted, 9 out of 10 people tend to agree with my assessment and also have not sampled the spirit since their own equally wayward use, unquote. Zoco is sickeningly sweet. It tastes like someone distilled diabetic piss and mixed it with fruit and then fermented it in a Mountain Dew vat. And my dumbass mixed that with orange juice. Together, they did what orange juice and sweet tastes do. But I spent the money, and I wanted to get drunk, so I choked down that bottle of Southern Comfort and orange juice, and minutes later, I had crawled into the bushes and puked up everything I had eaten since the age of six. I've never been a puker when I got drunk. It has always been a waste of good liquor. But Southern Comfort is not good liquor, and the taste of it coming back up and out through my nose, all mixed with stomach bowels and that day's meal ready to eat, was actually somewhat better than it was going down. And that, pod friends, is the perfect drink to commemorate this fucking terrible year. And sitting on my desk is a fifth of Southern Comfort, and in my fridge, a half gallon of OJ, and then come New Year's Eve... I will chug that vile concoction, and later, when I'm spewing chunks into the studio toilet, I will also be purging the year 2020 from my system because it is the opposite of a cup of kindness, and that is just the kind of year 2020 was. (laughs) That is it for our show this week. Hell, that's it for our show this year. That's it for 2020. 
Through pandemic, the raging of a madman in the White House, firestorms, assassinations of Iranian generals, candles that smell like Gwyneth Paltrow's snatch, the death, the death of Mr. Peanut, the impeachment acquittals, that Imagine video, more UFO videos, Elon Musk's baby name, people thinking you could buy children for sex via Wayfair, murder hornets, Locust Worms, Drew Barrymore's talk show, Rick Moranis getting punched in the face, the motherfucking Kraken, we made it. I have lived just over half a century on this planet, and the most of it made sense at the time, but this year finally broke reality. I mean, we elected Joe fucking Biden, for Christ's sake, some people are happy about it. I'm happy about it. This show, this low-rated podcast got picked up by a network. And if that doesn't tell you something in the state of the reality is really fucking wrong, I don't know what does. So, you know, rate and review the show wherever you find it. It helps others find it and listen. And listen. And their sense of reality gets broken, too. Follow the show on Twitter, the hell underscore podcast, or the show name on Facebook. If you'd like to keep the lights on and the whiskey flowing, including our potching budget, Kick us a few dollars at what the www.patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. All of our shows from 2015 through 2020 are on our what the hell podcast.com. Take a listen and figure out how we got from where we are today. We are a proud member of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Networks, who didn't give us network swag for the holidays this year, but they did, however, cut it down to wholesale price. So, you know, we got that going for us. So for me, Dave, sitting on this bar stool, acting like a darn fool, that's what I've been doing this year, Bledsoe. Producer, doggone it anyway, Gavin, and all the fictional minions who can't say that they didn't try, hi hi. We want to say, pour me another one. I'm finished with the other one. I'm drinking 2020. Goodbye. And we'll see you all next year. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.